From the KGOU studios, I'm Suzette Gorlott, the Dean of the University of Oklahoma's College of International Studies, and welcome to Worldviews. Rebecca Cruz will join me today for our annual preview of the Oscar nominees in the Best Foreign Language Film category. The 90th Academy Awards will be presented on Sunday. This year's films are from Chile, Russia, Lebanon, Sweden, and Hungary. They have a wide variety of styles and themes, from a transgender woman mourning the death of her lover, a boy who runs away from his divorcing parents, and a satirical take on the art world. It's kind of this odd juxtaposition, the one being the violence uh, and blood and gore of the slaughterhouse, and then the serene image of deer and forest and those sorts of things. So those two kind of worlds that are occurring at the same time that in the film feel very much the same. That's all coming up after news from NPR. This is Worldviews. I'm Suzette Gorlott. Rebecca Cruz, this is one of our favorite shows of the year. At the uh, time when we get to premiere and preview the uh, Best Foreign Language Film nominees for the Oscars. The Oscar show, of course, will be this Sunday evening. And so we always like to kind of run through the list of, of nominees for foreign language film and uh, and see what we think about uh, where we might be headed in terms of the winners. We have five interesting nominees this year. But uh, let's start with the Russian film, the Russian entry, the film called Loveless, um, kind of a disturbing film uh, uh, really about the uh, 12-year-old, uh, 12-year-old boy that goes missing. It's very suspenseful. It kind of reeks of this kind of human behavior that is heartless and and so difficult and I don't know, makes you feel really kind of creepy throughout. But um, but the, a couple is going through a divorce. They admit that neither one of them really want custody of their son. And their son overhears this and this kind of this gut-wrenching image of him hearing them say this. They don't realize he's listening. And and so uh, he then very promptly disappears. So what uh, do we expect um, from there? This is a, a film that comes from a, um, a director that we've heard from before, The Leviathan, a couple of years ago, if you recall, was a really a, a, a very deep look at the failures and corruptness of, of Russian government. So it's a little bit of a surprise that this would be the nomination that Russia put forward from the same director, although he did not get any uh, government assistance or any financial help in, in creating this. But it's, it's a little less political, and it's more kind of a social commentary, uh, a little bit about where we as humankind are, a little bit about where Russia in particular is in their interactions, their daily lives, and a little bit about the police structure in Russia, though that is kind of the the third aspect of it there. Uh, But as you said, just a a heartbreaking story as, as these two adults that are supposed to be the adults in the situation are really loveless as the title tells us, uh, for their child who disappears. And uh, it's, a, it's a really tough, tough watch. Well, and as you mentioned, it's, uh, it's social commentary on the co- kind of the collateral damage, perhaps, of the political environment in Russia. And I mean, I think this director is not trying to step aside from the kind of notion that Putin and, and his regime are kind of like bad parents, that those that are vulnerable and, and are in need are forgotten, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that those that are self-absorbed like these parents, you know, forget their child. And so anyway, it's interesting uh, the kind of uh, political commentary that you might be able to pull from it as well. So let's talk about the Hungarian film on body and soul. Uh, this is a really kind of strange romance. Uh, it's an affair that exists between two co-workers 
um, but only when they sleep. They, they have an affair in their dreams. They share a common dream. It's got this very troubling, a very disturbing opening scene of a slaughterhouse. It's very brutal. It's, it's, I think, meant to stun you. But the rest of the film also seems very surreal, kind of absurd, um, in that these uh, two people who are quite different in age, I might add, um, you know, come to share this this dream that kind of lives in this, this strange environment between the beauty and the elegance of their dream and this kind of reality of this slaughterhouse. Yeah, this is a, a film that took the top prize of the Berlin Film Festival this past year and has gotten a lot of, of acclaim. But as you said, it's it's kind of this odd juxtaposition, maybe a couple of different juxtapositions, the one being the violence uh, and blood and gore of the slaughterhouse where these two are working, and then the serene image, uh, part of the dream, and there's this beautiful imagery of, of deer and forest and those sorts of things. So those two kind of worlds that are occurring at the same time that in the film feel very much, even though one is a dream state, very much the same as if that's the, the reality. And the other interesting thing is the slaughterhouse, the use of the slaughterhouse. And at the beginning, you really are, uh, as I read in one review, tenderized uh, to kind of think about the slaughterhouse. You're, you're really disturbed and all those things. But by the end, you really have kind of you don't even notice that the these animals are being killed, and this, of course, is by some uh, thoughts, would be the body of the soul and body uh, title there. Uh, but it also talks to the violence that can be around us every day, and how we sometimes turn our our heads to violence or don't think about those sorts of things as we're in kind of this. Uh, 20th century or 21st century world where we would rather maybe not know where our our food is coming from or where that violence is, is happening. I think it's also important to point out that this is the only female director in the foreign language film category. Uh, of course, we've seen through award season uh, a lot of criticism about female directors not being nominated. Now at the Oscars, this has been a little bit uh, different. Uh, but this is a woman who has been directing films for decades now. One of her most famous films was in 1989. And and uh, that was to, to great acclaim. So she's waited a while for some of this recognition, and it, it really is is lovely to see that she's finally being recognized for her work. You're listening to a preview of the nominees for Best Foreign Language Films at this year's Academy Awards. After the break, we'll talk about the remaining films in this category. If you have any thoughts about this show, we would love to hear from you. Leave your comments in the Worldview section of KGOU.org, or like us, follow us, and interact with us on Twitter. We're at WorldviewsKGOU, and I'm at Suzette Rolot.
I'm Suzette Grolat, and this is Worldviews. This is Worldviews. I'm Suzette Grolat, the Dean of the College of International Studies at the University of Oklahoma. I'm joined today by Rebecca Cruz, and we're previewing this year's Oscar nominees for Best Foreign Language Film. All right, well, let's talk about uh, the Swedish film, The Square. It's kind of set in in a museum setting, what used to be Stockholm's Royal Museum, of contemporary art, and so they're they're kind of like going throwing out the old, coming in with the new, and they uh, kind of have this comical removal of a statue out in front in the square in front of the um, the museum, and so they replace that space with this lighted square, which is supposed to be a communal safe space. Uh, a sanctuary for trust and caring. And and so then the, the museum director has to go about kind of marketing what that is and in, 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 in terms of its, its art. Welcome to the jungle. Soon you will be confronted by a wild animal. As you all know, the hunting instinct is triggered by weakness. If you show fear, the animal will sense it. So, um, I don't know, commentary on modern life. I mean, what are we to make of this film that just seems to be kind of all over the place? I think perhaps that's part of its charm. Uh, This was another film that has gotten a a great deal of recognition. It won the top prize at Kansas this this year. Uh, And it's it's satire. So of all the films, this is the one that probably is the, the most... Uh, humorous, though perhaps that's the setup, that in this humor you don't quite realize that you're you're perhaps laughing at yourself or laughing in light of uh, some of the unpleasantries of life that we, we don't pay attention to. Uh, it This square, this art installation, is supposed to be about openness and safe spaces, and yet as, as we see throughout the film that there's so much that doesn't fit in with that. There are so many exceptions, and even the people, the, the director and, and others involved who are trying to be politically correct and are trying to do the right things and in many cases often excuse their actions or do things that are really quite quite ridiculous and in some cases quite mean. Uh, so we have again perhaps this juxtaposition but tempered throughout there there are these moments of laughter so it's it's hard really to know as you said what to make of this film. Uh, this is probably the one that has been the most viewed uh, on this side of the pond if you will. Uh, this is uh, some English language uh, scenes and also American actress Elizabeth Moss, who we're all very familiar with, is in the film as well. But it, it really gives us kind of a, an odd view, a critical and satirical view of life today, of kind of uh, capitalism and, and other things. And, and we may not even be realizing as we're watching it that that's the critique that we should be taking away from it. I might also mention that this film seems to me to deploy some interesting cinematography um, to hold shots on a scene or on a character and not cut away to action so that you've got kind of this image of someone um, I think in, in this uh, film, for example, you know, somebody sitting in a car and something's happening outside of the car, which is kind of hard to get used to. It's almost unsettling, too, to kind of watch something when you're not actually watching. You know something's happening around, but you can't see it. Well, it could also mean the square. This is the photo shot is the square and that there are things that we're supposed to be paying attention to and then things on the periphery that are actually happening that are in many ways more important and, and more significant. This is a special Worldviews preview of the 2018 Academy Award nominees for Best Foreign Language Film. After the break, we'll complete our review, discuss which films didn't make the Oscar list, and provide our predictions. I'm Suzette Gorlott, and this is Worldviews. 
This is Worldviews. I'm Suzette Gorlott, the Dean of the College of International Studies at the University of Oklahoma. On today's show, I'm talking with Rebecca Cruz about the Oscar nominees for Best Foreign Language Film. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the Lebanese film, The Insult. Uh, this is also just a very, very difficult film to watch, and I think probably has one of the most interesting lessons uh, from the uh, the actual film. Uh, kind of boils down to this this war of words, I guess. So you have some inflammatory comments um, that you know, personal insults that then develop into this kind of you know are overblown really by. Uh, a community by a justice system, uh, and 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 I don't know, maybe indicates that these battles reflect their political surrounding. It's set in, in Lebanon and, um, you know, involves uh, two people kind of from different backgrounds and one ends up insulting the other. They kind of, you know, are, are at odds. Um, but the way in which others and particularly, you know, uh, judges, for example, capitalize on it and try to spin things out of control to create a much larger dispute, I think, is what's really interesting about this film. Yeah, this is also notable because this is Lebanon's first nomination. Uh, it is an Arabic language film. And as you said, it's this this little confrontation that turns into something much bigger. And it, it speaks to uh, our the media system there, and which I would say it's not necessarily localized to that. We can see these examples all over the world. This is just a, a specific one that we're getting. But it's also specific to the fact that we're talking about one person in this conflict is a Lebanese Christian, and the other is a, a Muslim, a Palestinian refugee. And if we think about the situation for Palestinians in Lebanon, this is a, in many ways a, a long-standing uh, and difficult situation. The Palestinians have been there, many of them since 1948, from leaving from the war and a couple of other waves that came after that. And there's all sorts of estimates about how many refugees are there, but anywhere from 260,000 to 400,000. Most of them, though there are some uh, Christians that have gotten citizenship, but most of them do not have Lebanese citizenship. They do not have work permits, and they rely on international aid. And if you think about 1948, we're talking decades, generations of people that are in this sort of situation. And so those tensions are built in. And and while they may or may not have existed between these two people, they, they likely did, they certainly exist between the, the other actors and the other people that come to the fore in this. So the judge, as you said, the media, others kind of play on this, this small scale but very broad conflict that is taking place in the country. It really does seem to bring into question, though, kind of the whole concept of the rule of law. I mean, we we tend to believe that that with institutionalized rules and laws that will be able to resolve conflict peacefully, right? And that this is often what's missing in many places that um, don't have kind of an institutionalized judicial process. And yet we see an institutionalized judicial process here actually spinning the conflict further out of control. And you can almost see it on the faces of of the two men that shared the insult that they're almost like 
really uncomfortable with how complicit they have become in in kind of furthering a conflict that they really, you know, was very personal. Well, let's talk about uh, the final film, and that's uh, the Chilean film, A Fantastic Woman. Um, this is a, a very interesting film that focuses on a love affair between a, a transgender woman, uh, Marina, and Orlando, who is uh, 20 years her senior. Uh, she's a waitress and a singer, and they meet, and, and um, they're having an affair. Uh, he is in the process of, a, of getting a divorce, or he's, he, he's divorced, but he has a family, and he, he establishes this relationship with, with Marina, and they're together at one point, and he very um, sadly dies, and, and she takes him to the hospital, and, and he, he dies there. And so then she then is, is ostracized uh, from, you know, the, and, and ridiculed by, by the family. They couldn't believe when they found out that he was having a relationship with a transgender woman. Habla una amiga de Orlando. Yo soy... Sí, sí, sé quién es. Lo que pasa es que Orlando se empezó a sentir pésimo. ¡Orlando! Ahí se murió. ¿Se murió? ¿Son pareja? Sí, somos pareja. So, uh, this kind of then becomes more embroiled in, like, Marina having to more or less fight the battle she's been fighting her whole life to be herself, to to mourn the loss of her loved one. Yeah, this is the uh, the second nomination for Chile, and this seems, uh, perhaps out of all the films, the most timely uh, as we think about the Me Too movement, as we think about the um, activists that are pushing for more attention to trans issues and those sorts of things. This is one of the first films where we actually have a, a trans actress portraying a trans character, and so that's significant. This is... Um, uh, Daniela Vega, and this is actually only her second film, and she seems to have come onto the scene and, and is really just stunning and fantastic in this film. Uh, just a, a, a beautiful take, and, and it's a slightly different take also. In many of the, the TV shows and other things where we see trans characters, not only are they often played by uh, cis actors or actresses, but they're often in some sort of marginalized um character. They're either prisoners or they're on the outskirts of society. This, as you said, she's a waitress. She's in everyday kind of society. She operates in those ways. She's obviously socially marginalized in other ways, but her life isn't on the periphery. It's there in the middle, and that that is significant. I think this point about battle for perspective is really important because you can see that the that you know, on this issue of of uh, the the plight of those who are transgender, um, that you know, it's like who dominates that narrative, who actually gets to tell that story, and like you said, you know, marginalize or or you know, integrate into society. I think one of the the most amazing quotes I read about this film was that it portrays a resilient female refusing to live her life according to the demands of others. And I think the one amazing image in that film that really really kind of captures that is there's this um, image of, of like wind blowing and she's she's pressing her entire body. She's having to lean her entire body against these headwinds that are coming at her. It's a really incredible uh, cinematic effect that they've they've made there, but it really kind of captures the having to fight and battle for her perspective, for her right to be herself and for her to be able to um, to be the center of, of her own world. So very, very interesting film. Um, 
um, a fantastic woman. Well, in the last couple of minutes we have, Rebecca, I mean, I think it's worth noting here that one of the films that did not make the cut, of course, was the Golden Globe winner for foreign language film, the German film In the Fade. And they were, you know, I think people were quite shocked that uh, In the Fade did not make the Oscar uh, pitch. What are we to make of that? Because I, I, as far as we've been doing the show, I don't recall, in fact, in some time that this has been the case where the Golden Globe winner actually didn't make the Oscar list. Yeah, it's quite surprising that that film also won the Critics' Choice Award. Uh, it's a film, a riveting tale of a, a woman whose Turkish husband and their five-year-old child is killed uh, by a bomb, uh, likely a terrorist attack, though that's not what the uh, police suspect. And she eventually, after grieving, comes to this point of revenge and, and goes after uh, the people responsible. Um, why this wasn't selected, that, that's anyone's guess. How the foreign language films are selected is, is kind of this ongoing mystery, and they're changing it every year. But if we think this year they had 92 films that they started off with, they winnow it down to a kind of a long short list and then go from there. And it's it's anyone's guess as to what will end up on that final five. And uh, this, this raises a little bit of controversy, but obviously we have uh, five intriguing films, uh, any one of of which could win should uh, the German film had been in have been in there. You certainly could make that case. Uh, another film that I will point out that I think we should be watching for on Sunday is Faces and Places. This is in the um, documentary categories is a French film where they essentially go around and take a look at rural life in France. And one of the uh, women involved in this is actually now nominated, and she's going to be uh, the one of the oldest people to be nominated for an Oscar. So she's got a lot of uh, support uh, for that fact alone, uh, as well as the fact that it's it's a very interesting and stunning film. So watch for that in the documentary uh, version as well. Well, we'll be watching Sunday night, but do you have any predictions uh, of these five? Which is your favorite? I got to say, a fantastic woman probably uh, is is the one that's uh, cinematically the most stunning. And uh, as I said before, I think it's timely, and and the Oscars likes to be timely on these issues. That's right. I think I think the Russian film and the Chilean film both stand out. Loveless and a fantastic woman. Um, I'm not sure about the other three. I think they probably will be runners up, but uh, but I think it's definitely going to be between one of those two. And I agree. I would vote for the Chilean film. All right, Rebecca, this was fun. Once again, grab your popcorn and get ready for the Oscars on Sunday. Can't wait. You've been listening to a special Worldviews preview of the 2018 Oscar nominees for Best Foreign Language Film. The 90th Academy Awards is this Sunday. Worldviews is produced in partnership between KGOU and the College of International Studies at the University of Oklahoma. Katie Holland prepares our research, and Sam Dupre produced the show. For Rebecca Cruz, I'm Suzette Grillat.